Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rattling Broadcasting premier podcast, Damn You Hollywood. And here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! Robert, Hello. could you at least learn proper sign language if you're going to do something like that? I could, but Mark wouldn't laugh then. <laughs> no, yeah like sign language he'd just be like you know like i could i absolutely funny. could he's miming what i'm saying and that's the funny part you know i robert who's generally not given to wild excesses of emotion and general silliness all of a sudden doing you know <laughs> as i'm talking goddamn funny yeah exactly put your hands up now wiggle your digits wiggle them like you just finished a big musical number we're having actual, li- actual line from the movie we're about to review ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yes and what are we reviewing tonight robert winfrey of the screaming boy podcast it only works on ronnie it doesn't work on me and you know that <laughs> tonight everyone thank you for tuning in we are reviewing sonic the hedgehog 2 a little bit louder not quite as good it is the long and the short of that but joining us is Alexis Haina. She was here when we reviewed the last one, and she's on the show whenever scheduling permits. So, Alexis, how you doing? I'm doing good, and I quite enjoyed this movie, actually. I thought it was actually a little bit better than the first one. My yeah. son's exact reaction when it was over was just him, like, pantslessly screaming in the theater, the perfect specimen, or the ultimate specimen, the ultimate specimen! And I don't know if we want to give away what the ultimate specimen was, but that was like, like, Jonas, did you? Sure, I'll tell you what the ultimate specimen is. It's when this, it's when this entire franchise begins jumping the shark. It's the arrival of Shadow the Hedgehog. It's all downhill from there. Well, my Spoilers! son, <laughs> I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> my son, I asked him. I'm like, hey, Jonas, because like we were here, like we all saw it like on the Thursday preview, and I was, and I turned to him, you know, and he was just like. You know how everyone sort of was vibrating at the end of Endgame? Like Captain America, you know, calls Mon- you know, Munir to him and, you know, that sort of thing. Where, you know, Doctor Strange comes through the portal and you hear Falcon go on your left. And we're all like, oh, my God, Avengers. <laughs> you know, remember that feeling? That was my son at the end of this movie. He was vibrating. He was so happy. And I was like, what did you think of the actual movie, though? Did you like it? Did you not like it? He had two reactions. One, screaming the ultimate specimen as if I knew what the hell he was talking about. Two, he was like, did they just take a five-minute detour out of the movie so that this woman could get, like, her own movie for ten minutes and then go back to Sonic the Hedgehog? We'll and get that- to that. We'll get to the Hawaii scene soon <laughs> we enough. We will. We will. But it was at that moment, that very moment, the very moment, Robert, that I knew, that I knew Robert Winfrey was in Utah throwing his pants <laughs> at the screen it was not at that very moment i only saw this today but mm-hmm. well uh, let me put it this way robert would you rather be shadow the hedgehog or amy rose and cream the bunny before you answer that my daughter is pissed 
pissed, I tell you, that this Amy character was not in the movie. And she can and she waits with bated breath for Amy to show <laughs> Hey, up. hey, hey, hey. Tell your daughter that Amy sucks. Princess Sally's where it's at. Lily, Amy sucks. Princess Sally's where it's at. I don't know. Spoken like a true furry. Hey, I grew <laughs> up on that. I grew up on the '90s Saturday morning AM Sonic cartoon Robert, where Princess. Well, Sally I grew up wait, on wait, the wait, wait, bat shit it's after school Sonic show. This is much more. That was Robert. Insane. Robert yeah, Winfrey from Utah. Are you a furry? No. Please tell me you're a furry. Please no. tell me you're. Please, please <laughs> blink at me that you're a furry, but denying it publicly. Mark, it's just like shame. Please tell me that. Go yiff in hell. <laughs> so you want to get started have... with this review, big boy? <laughs> Nothing against furries, but it is widely known that Princess Sally was a lot of kids' sexual awakening. That or made Marion. What, what are we talking? Okay, I, there, there, there comes a point in the Sonic the Hedgehog universe that I just don't know what any of this stuff is. I might have played like maybe the first two or three games on the Sega, and then lost track of the whole thing. So a lot oh, of what you're going on deviant art. Who am I deviant art nowing? Okay, okay. If you want to have fun, Mark, put yeah. in Mark the Hedgehog and see what comes up. Okay, hang on. We're gonna do this live on the air. Seriously, Mark. this is no. a running gag. Like the the, the entire Sonic universe meant so much to so many people that everyone has created some version of themselves as a hedgehog. So if you want to have fun, Google your name, the hedgehog, and you'll get someone's OC. Go ahead. Do it for all three of us. Okay. Hang on. I got it. Um, so here's so here's one. Here, I'm going to share my screen here. One second. This is going to be... Be very careful with this, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> large... Before you put it on the screen, okay? We've already large... got enough flags against this network. <laughs> Mine, that's a large penis on that hedgehog. Um, all right, yeah, so there's there, a lot of that. There is Mark here. Here's, here's an even better. Holy one. crap, you're almost as edgy as Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> there's Mark the Hedgehog. All right, so next is we'll do Robert the Hedgehog. Yes, Robert the Hedgehog. <laughs> Hang on, my, my son weighing in. Yes, Jonas, how can I help you, sweet boy, that you're supposed to be sleeping? Put his name in. I want to see. Okay. I want to see, see, see Jonas the Hedgehog. Let's see Jonas the Hedgehog. This will be fun. Jonas the Hedgehog. Hey, look at that! Hey, look at that! Number two, right there. The second this, one in. This one. That's it. Yeah. There it is. That's the money shot. That's you as a hedgehog. Wow. Okay, you go to school tomorrow. Go to bed. Mwah. All right. Come Good on. Give, put my name in there too. All I want right. to see my name. Alexis. The Screaming Boy podcast. If you know how to spell my name, up. There we go. Here's some deviant art for you. Arr. Wow. Yeah, smoking. Uh, not the one that I went to first. Which one did you go? Okay, pervert. Which one did you go to first? Uh, there's not one with enough multicolored hair, so go with the pink one, third down on the left. That one? No, no third, third down. No, third, third down. Third row. Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. That strikes me as more Alexis. Okay. It looks like somebody put Amy and Rouge in a blender. It does. All right. Are we done with this bit? Can we start yeah, with sure. lots of synopsis now? All, all right. right. Now, but... that we, now that we've lost all of our audio only people, <laughs> <laughs> we, we appreciate you indulging the fanciful nature of that Mark... whole bit going on TikTok, by the way. Mark, dis... <laughs> that, that's a good call. That's a really good call. Mark discovering the. I have a long form video essay for you about the nature of Sonic fandom, by the way, Mark. After this is done, I will How send it to you. How much of this involves giant Sonic penis? None. A it's lot. On, none. It's on you. 
Okay, in theory, a <laughs> lot. a lot, good. <laughs> Hang on. In theory, a lot, none because it's on YouTube and okay. the creator. This is It's done by uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf, who's a wonderful right. video essayist. Well, after this, I want to go for a run. But after that run, if it's not too late, I will be Googling a lot of Sonic DeviantArt and seeing what I can find. So much porn. <laughs> I'm just warning you ahead of time. <laughs> This will be Mark's eight. gonna bring this up on the next show. Just and I'm just gonna call you, Robert. You're like, do you know what hell we have unleashed? Eight forty. Robert going so much porn needs to be on TikTok. It really doesn't, but okay. It so does. Plot right. synopsis. Plot synopsis. So we are discussing Sonic Two, which picks up almost exactly where Sonic One leaves off. Our opening bit is Doctor Robotnik's Rube Goldberg machine of doom through the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> It's actually a really clever title sequence, so I give them credit for that. Um, as he is trying to find a way off of the Mushroom Planet, because no one wants to live on the Mushroom Planet. Why would you? You're eternally looking for the princess in another castle. This is awful. He can't find coffee or some derivative deriv uh, derivation, but he is a genius, and he still has a quill from Sonic, so he's able to power a machine that sends off a distress signal of some variety. He is then rescued inadvertently by a couple of people we don't really recognize. And then Knuckles, the echidna, shows up. And Dr. Robot and he seems to express hostility towards the hedgehog. And Robotnik's like, hey, you hate the hedgehog too. I can help you find him. And thus an evil comp uh, the ultimate evil alliance is formed. Not since the union of hit of uh, Germany and Italy has there been a greater, more devious pairing. Then Robotnik and Knuckles until Shadow shows up. I guess he can be Japan. <laughs> uh, focus. Focus. We again, we pick up kind of nearly where we left off. Um, Sonic is struggling to adapt to normal life. He wants to be a hero, but he kind of sucks at it. He makes things worse before he makes them better. He foils a bank robbery, but causes tons of city property damage in Seattle. But it's Seattle, so it's all kind of the same thing. <laughs> Uh, he is given advice by James Marsden about, you know, the nature of maturity and whatnot. Right around, right around now, Tails shows up. Uh, Sonic's parents, alleged parents, adoptive parents, head off to Hawaii for the wife's sister's wedding. Also known as Studio Notes, the 40 minutes of my life I want back. Again, focus. We will, you will have plenty of time for all there will be plenty of time for all three of us to discuss yeah. the stupidity of the hawaii sequence Oof, it's bad yeah. uh as sonic is trashing the house like teenagers are wont to do and left to their own devices phone party robotnik shows up along with knuckles and they beat the crap out of sonic and it's about to go even worse for him but tails shows up driving a car runs over knuckles rescues sonic Knuckles and Dr. Robotnik chase them off. Uh, Tails explains to Sonic that he, when Sonic ran around the bases back in the first movie and set off his energy signature that detonated a large EMP, essentially, that signal was so powerful, it reached the far reaches of the universe, where Tails, the prepubescent, give or take, early teenage years Fox, has advanced enough equipment to pick it up and he became a big fanboy of sonic and entered into a parasocial relationship with him for the duration of the first movie uh he is shown up here to help protect sonic from knuckles because knuckles is the most dangerous warrior in the galaxy 
So they are, and Knuckles reveals, we get a little bit of backstory throughout the next bit of the movie. Uh, Knuckles is, is the last of the Echidnas. Uh, his tribe has been at war with the Owls, one of whom was Sonic's uh, adoptive mother, Longclaw. The Owls, many, many years ago, took from the Echidnas the Master Emerald. This was the most the source of ultimate power in the universe. They took it because they didn't think anyone should have that power. The Echidnas have been looking for it ever since. Bloody, bloody tribal war between them. No blood on screen, of course, but lots of death. And Sonic finds out that the Master Emerald is, in fact, here on Earth. Like everything, apparently. <laughs> Earth is the center of the universe. Master Emerald, the anti-life equation, it's all here. Uh, so he sets off on a little bit of a quest to try and find the Emerald before Robotnik does. First step is to find a compass. It's in Siberia. So Sonic and Tails go out after that. They are intercepted once they get the compass by Robotnik and Knuckles. Another fight sequence. Uh, Tails is blown up. Not fatally, but he's exploded by a couple of missiles. Uh, Sonic, Sonic and Tails are saved at the last minute via magical ring transport as James Marsden ruins, ruins, <laughs> ruins a Shakespearean tragedy level of ruination on this poor woman's wedding. Uh, Robotnik and Knuckles go off to find the Master Emerald as Sonic, Tails, uh, and Sonic and Tails are abducted by government agents. It's important to note here that the groom in the fake wedding that we don't know is fake until this very moment, the very same, is actually a deep cover CIA agent. Total waste of a perfectly good Sherman Moore. Yeah, Shamar Moore is kind of awesome, and it's even worse when you realize he's like 46. <laughs> he's gorgeous. He he's is. Just, he does have, as they say in Screen Junkies, abs. Arrgh. I'll save it for later. I'll yell about it later. It can wait. Okay, cool. It, it, we can, that, we'll get through this. We will. There, there's just one really stupid part of that whole, like, as stupid as that whole B-plot is, there's one moment in particular I find deeply stupid. Uh, they're rescued by a couple of strong independent women, one of whom is trying to get a man. <laughs> uh, He's trying, He's trying, folks. He really is trying. Sonic then decides he's seen enough of his friends get hurt. I mean, his only friend got hurt. So he takes off across the ocean, power running across it because he's Sonic the Hedgehog. And because uh, he can't swim. Which is such a weird thing for them to have given him. I mean, it's not even canon. He can swim in canon. He just doesn't no, like water. Can't. I'm sorry. Do you not have the music playing when Sonic runs out of oxygen repeatedly playing I've... in your head, causing anxiety? Okay, so let me... Let me parse words here he can't swim swimming is a specific arm movement activity sonic goes underwater and like runs slowly underwater and you have to catch air bubbles in order for him to stay um being able to breathe but he doesn't swim per se let's move on fair enough so sonic uh, as well as knuckles and dr robotnik go through the mysterious temple uh lovingly modeled after the sky, uh, the floating uh sky angel, temple angel, angel island. island yeah i forget i forgot the name for some reason yeah very lovingly modeled after that stage in sonic and knuckles the video game <laughs> yeah a lot of nice little treats to the labyrinth zone including scenes of him actually sliding down the water 
It was kind of nice. Now, they find the Master Emerald. Sonic and Knuckles fight. Robotnik betrays Knuckles and has just the best line. Like, if you weren't a complete idiot, anyone could have seen this coming a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> Robotnik absorbs the Master Emerald and becomes one with the ultimate power in the universe. He becomes a bit of a, a technopath and decides it's time to... He's now ready to control the universe. Sonic and Knuckles bond over being basically war orphans. Mm-hmm. and decide that maybe they should work together. Tails shows up on a biplane. Don't know where he got it, but he does have it, so Tails flies that the biplane, biplane was The biplane was seen flying uh, around during the wedding. Apparently it had a banner on it that had the oh, happy couple's that... name on it. Oh, okay. So I guess, yeah, he just... I, yeah. No, I, that was me. That was me. Miss, I, remember the bi I remember the banner. I don't... I just did not connect that he waylaid that poor pilot and then took it. <laughs> So Tails shows up in a biplane. He gets them all back to uh, Green Hill, the Green Hill Zone, because it always ends where it begins. Robotnik shows up there because his associate is there. They they're surrounded by the USA by the government agents who have now again they were able to debrief everyone at the wedding, fake wedding, and they show up there. But now Robotnik is able to manipulate all things technological. So he magically disassembles tanks cars, a couple of buildings, and creates for himself the giant Dr. Robotnik robot. And I I had one moment of pure geeking out, and it was when that thing showed up, because I hated fighting that thing so much. The giant robo-eggman. So that's a callback to a game of some sort? Oh, yeah. That's, okay. the, final, that's the final boss in Sonic and Knuckles 3. Or Sonic it's 3 and Knuckles. It was common in the games for Eggman to build giant versions of himself. It's kind of... Did you ever play Mega Man? It's very similar. It's like, okay, now I got this giant robot. Now I got this bigger giant robot. He breaks it. Now I got this bigger giant robot. He breaks it. Lather, exactly. rinse, repeat. Okay. Yeah. So he creates this mechanized monstrosity, starts wrecking the town. Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails show up. They try to fight him. It doesn't go great. They decide that they have to team up together in order to overcome this... Uh, foe. They team up. Sonic leads him away from the village. It's a small town. Sonic leads him away. Knuckles and Tails infiltrate the cockpit. Knuckles punches the Master Emerald out of his chest. <laughs> uh, the Emerald flies away. The machine crashes. Everyone's seriously injured. Sonic is able to grab the Master Emerald away from, from Robotnik at the last moment as he reboots his machine. But it doesn't quite work anymore. In fact, it breaks. Crumbles into the individual Chaos Emeralds. And as he's about to die, surrounded by his family, the Emeralds start working again because Sonic had finally collected enough rings to go into supersonic form. You need 55. <laughs> and now he's a Super Saiyan. And now he's a Super Saiyan. He, not a joke. That's actually modeled after the Saiyan transformation, just as the transformation into Saiyan Blue is modeled on Sonic. They made okay. a joke about that in the death battle when Vegeta fights Shadow because he goes, he goes supersonic and Vegeta looks and goes, wow. What a ripoff. <laughs> Hang on. Thank you, Pinky. <laughs> so now Sonic as Super Sonic is utterly unstoppable. He defeats Robotnik with ease, summons a chili dog from magic, <laughs> um, expels the emeralds from himself because he runs out of rings. And when you run out of rings in supersonic mode, you go back to normal. Uh, Knuckles then reforms the Master Emerald, 
and the three of them decide to form the Avengers. I'm sorry, I mean... Um, <laughs> Sonic Heroes. They form the Sonic Heroes. And no, but never a sighting of Big the Cat. Thank All right, God. Alexis, you're on. What's Hang your on. thing? There's, oh. there, there's, no, there's one more. Oh, yes. One more. He's got the post credit scene. There's the post credit scene. The, the ultimate uh, specimen. So again, they agree to this. They form a little bit of a bond. They play baseball, and there's a which is a nice little callback to Knuckles always being better than Sonic at baseball. This is canon. <laughs> uh, he, he's always been able to beat Sonic at baseball, and it drives Sonic nuts. I ugly cried during that. I'll talk about it when I get to my part of the craft review. But I was like, oh, it begins where it ends. <laughs> they're animals and they're wearing clothes like people. Well, why do I want to run around the base if my end destination is the where I began? I can't even with this guy. <laughs> so they all start forming their bond and their happiness and they're protecting the Master Emerald. And then as the government is cleaning up the disaster around Green Hills, uh, what no a, sign of Robotnik's body. Of course, no, no of one could have survived that. No, of course not. Uh, we are told that while they were trying to scrub all existence of Dr. Robotnik from the government databases, they found reference to Project Shadow. And then we see Shadow the Hedgehog cut himself on his own edge as he wakes up. For the record, I hate Shadow the Hedgehog. A lot of people do. Duly noted. All right, Alexis, you're on. Go. Oh, you don't want to let Robert go ahead and get on the soapbox first about Hawaii? No. No, I don't. We have a structure. Stick to Here's it. My only, you know, I will get my only thing <laughs> off my chest. As dumb as that is, we can go into more detail later. Here's the dumbest. James Marsden having to try and pretend that he is not in, in insanely good shape as well. <laughs> like, he's there they're yeah. playing volleyball, and Shamar Moore and all of his buddies are all shirtless, and they're ripped. And I'm looking at James Marsden, and I'm going... There's no way you would not have taken your shirt off as well. You, you have nothing to hide, buddy. I mean, they both do the double biceps pose, and Marsden's biceps are bigger than Shamar Moore's. But <laughs> yeah, no, like, you're the nerd. Yeah. Seriously, he is in incredible shape. He looks amazing. I mean, he may have looked, I mean, he's a little older. So he, he looks a little older, but he still is in way better shape. It, it's acting, folks. They wanted him to play. I get, I get why you're like, the the acting doesn't relate to he's the reality. He's not even a nerd. He's a cop. Which I, I cops can't be nerds, but this is not a nerdy character. Yes, it was but that's what they a, wanted in the film. It's not that big of a deal. It, it I was, get that you think it's stupid. It, it was really, totally incongruous with everything else about the character. Bad literally, writing. you're the only one in the audience who even figured that out. I just want you to know that. Uh, I was with a friend of mine, and even he looked over and was like, I don't get it. He's in pretty good shape, too. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's two like, of yeah, you. Sorry. Right. You should, go, you should go bowling. Go ahead, Alexis. God damn it. <laughs> okay. So the Easter eggs in this are plentiful and a real great love letter to the fans. We get tons of... There's a... I mean, for God's sake, there's a freaking uh, water supply truck with the word Splash Hill on it. <laughs> I mean, I, even that, I'm dying laughing at that. You have the scene where, yeah, he's on, Sonic's underwater and he breathes in the air bubble and it's a high-tension scene, but I'm laughing hysterically in the back of the theater going, I can't believe they threw that in. Marsden's ringtone when he interrupts the wedding is the music from Green Hill Zone uh, Level 1 mm -hmm. in the first game. <laughs> but even then, I'm like, I can't believe they threw that in. It is so much fun. This is, a, like I said, it's a love letter for the fans to the point that when Sonic starts drowning, when he rescues Knuckles from underwater, I am literally in the backseat going, don't, don't play the music. Don't play the music. Don't play the music. I cannot handle hearing that again. Screw you, Robert. 
I also want to say a big thing about the voice acting in this. We got Ben Schwartz coming back as Sonic, who does a great job. Uh, in addition to all of his other roles he's done, uh, voice actors will recognize him as the voice of uh, Dewey from the recent DuckTales reboot. He's essentially kind of playing the same character with this, but he has great comedic timing and he has this very youthful energy to the voice and it sounds wonderful. It Yourself of playing Knuckles was kind of a shock, but it's become abundantly clear that El Idris Elba does not phone in his parts at all. No matter what role he's playing, he is giving 110%. I mean, hell, you, you watch his brief things as McCavity in the Cats movie, and even then you're going, wow, you really did not just... I mean, it's like you I, really, really put everything into can, this, didn't can you? Can I jump in here? I know you've never seen The Wire, but if you think about like Idris Elba's appearance... Bingo card. Well, yes, but to your point about how Idris Elba is versatile, which is what you're trying to say, like, look at him in The Wire. Like, he has to speak, he has to talk like somebody, like, he has a naturally British accent, and that's a lot of what he does in, in many of his roles, but in when he plays uh, Stringer Bell in The Wire, he has to sound like a ghetto black American. That's and, not just that, a Baltimore Right, there's a very specific accent, and he very true. There's a there's like one or two things that are very nitpicky that he is not that he is not great at, but ninety percent of his accent in that movie is spot in that show is spot on to the point where it, it, the same thing with the kid who plays Franklin Snowfall, who's also British. You'd never know it. Like if you hear Franklin, the guy that plays Franklin in Snowfall, you hear Idris Elba in The Wire, you would never know that they were not American. And to, to that point, to piggyback off of what you're saying, Alexis, Idris Elba has quite mastery over his voice acting. Um, he really can, and not just kind of slip between American and British, but he can do a variety of different accents and a variety of dialects to where you almost wouldn't know unless you looked him up, like where he's exactly from. Idris Elba, I think, is underrated as one of the great actors of modern film and television oh, and, I, and I think question. I need to say that out loud yeah, like absolutely this is. was this was quite a get and I think since Idris Elba doesn't exactly want for parts he's in a lot he's not quite Samuel Jackson level of I'm in everything but if you like you look at Idris Elba's IMDB he's in a lot of stuff he didn't have to do this he clearly thought this was a good role for him and that this was a well enough written script that it was a worthy project for him to lend his voice to and that knuckles or, himself was a fun his, character or one of his kids said if you so help me if you do not take on a role on sonic the hedgehog i will never speak to you i would like to think that the, is the, that the can we call that the raw julia clause i would richard, like i was gonna go with richard harris but i would like to think that if the script were like you know poor he did he didn't have to tell his kids no but i, I just wanted to throw that out there and i'm gonna throw it back to alexis in a second that I think it just Elba knew once he read the script and, you know, his agent got him in this role, like, this is something I need to do and this is a worthy enough script. Because, again, Idris Elba doesn't have to do this. Absolutely. And he nails, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we actually found a character that steals the scene away from Jim Carrey, who <laughs> is still chewing the scenery to the Credit point that he just starts randomly flossing. <laughs> at credit, one point and you credit, know that that's that was improv credit to the animators for and I, I mentioned this with godzilla versus kong and robert and i yelled at each other about it but credit to, credit to the animators about 
creating enough of a standout character in Knuckles that an animated CGI character could upstage Jim Carrey. Like yeah. between the voice yeah. acting and the animation, that's quite a feat. Because Jim Carrey animation- tends to suck the, suck the air out of the room. The animation is incredible in this. There, tiny magic, tiny magic Sonic is destroyed. Let's go find the real one. (laughs) (laughs) No, like I said, okay, so yeah, quick branch off that. Yes, the animation in this is really good. I mean, you have a scene where Sonic and Tails are sitting on the beach, and Sonic is drenched in water, and then he gets covered in sand, and you come, (laughs) and he's still got the sand in his quills, and it looks real. You have mm-hmm. the scene of them falling asleep in front of the fireplace and Tails covers Sonic with his with his tails. And you can see the detail in the fur. And I mentioned this uh, last year, or well, not last year, but in right before the world ended when we reviewed the first Sonic movie. I remember because that was like literally one of the last reviews we did before everything went into shutdown mode, yep. to which we spent a great deal of time talking about the redesign that they had to do with the animated characters from that first trailer. Thankfully. And, uh, and all of the overtime that it did. And can we just say, at least thankfully, this time we didn't have to deal with Olive Garden references or an obvious Zillow plug. But I, can- I thought I remembered we reading, all- like, they, they did the gag. It was funny once. They knew they couldn't get away with it a second time. Well, they they referenced it once or twice, but now we've got the Four Seasons who are paying for their spot. <laughs> and- right. So, but yes, can we all just rejoice that we don't have to see what Knuckles and Tails would have looked like if they had <laughs> stuck with those redesigns? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been terrifying. But going back to my original point with the voice acting, I want to bring up that the voice of Tails in this is not a big name celebrity. This is Colleen, O'Sha- uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy, I believe. Yeah, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing it right. She's been doing the voice of Tails since 2014 in the yep. games. She is known for it. This is one of the first times I can remember specifically that they did not go out of their way to get another major voice. I mean, there probably was a huge you know lineup of celebrities and professional voice actors who were dying for this role and they said no we're getting the original tales she does an incredible job on this she really brings life to it she sounds just at the same level as ben schwartz and idris elba and it's really remarkable and i frankly this is something i want to see more of not that i'm against certain voice actors and big certain big name celebrities because again idris elba kicked ass in this and i'm glad we had him but i hope that this is the start of a trend that we are going to see more of hollywood sticking to the current voice actors instead of always going out of their way to find big celebrities this is something that's been a major uh, argument for those of us in the animation community and the animation historians community. Hell, when they announced that Chris Pratt was doing the voice of Mario in the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie, there was an outcry. It's like, what, you're not getting Charles Martinet to do the voice? Because he's around. He's a freaking Comic-Con uh, guest. I, I see him at least three times a year, honestly. So, yeah, Colleen O'Shaughnessy, so glad they kept her. She d- really nailed the part. Okay, who wants to bitch about Hawaii first? Okay, let me do my craft review, and then I'll pitch it to Robert, and then he can bitch all he wants. I'm going to actually start with that and say that didn't bother me. I knew it was going to bug you, and my son was like, what the F? Um, why did we need a 10-minute detour with this fat ass You know, and, <laughs> and take away from the Sonic movie? And I'm going to say I was okay with it, and I was okay with it because I understood the studio's point with it, which is you have this really fun, funny for most humans – you have this really funny African-American actress who clearly does a lot of ad lib. 
Um, she's something, she's someone that I think appeals to a general audience member. Um, I could tell you watching it with my family, my wife's like my favorite, like her favorite part of this, who has no relationship to Sonic the Hedgehog was the wedding sequence and watching the two I'm black sure. women, shut up, watching the two black women go on a mission impossible, uh, mission with, <laughs> with Tails's gizmos. As a studio executive, you have funny black women. You have to give them something to do. It's 10 minutes of the movie where they get to save Sonic when he's in at his darkest point in deepest peril isn't going to kill the audience. Most people enjoyed it. Most people thought it was funny. It's not the end of the world. I, I, I can hear you say it was stupid and you didn't like it and you're entitled to that opinion. You're on this show. But <laughs> I'm going to tell you, most of the most people who are not like religiously committed to Sonic the Hedgehog and went with their kids to make them happy liked it and didn't care. I'm yeah, except for all the kids who you're trying to entertain with the movie who hated that particular. I, I, yeah, which master do you want to serve? Um, you know, I'm willing to give them the bit with Maddie and Rachel being the ones who snuck in to save them. Hell, mm -hmm. I'll even laugh at the scene where they're trying out tails as gadgets because they don't yeah. know what they do they threw the anti-gravity disc under the one guy he goes flying they're like uh is he gonna come down <laughs> that, that actually made me laugh that was a cute funny scene. lines in that yeah I, yeah and I, I like the character of maddie i like mm -hmm. how supportive she is so i was like okay having them be the ones to break them out i'm fine with that right. it's that separate scene where rachel goes after um randall randall yeah just that little scene with her in the go-kart and them playing barracuda that that little okay. bit it was like my wife was what? dying laughing during that so yeah, again, tell her okay so go watch bridesmaids again i don't need it in my sonic movie you don't need it in your sonic and you're entitled to that opinion again sticking up for the vast array of parents that didn't play the game who just were there to you know to make their kids happy thought that shit was funny that that but that that speaks to what people in general find funny in movies we can debate the relative uh, quality to the craft, I don't really want to. You can talk about it if you want to, That's your, that you're entitled to do that. I'm just gonna sit here and say, 90 minute movie for kids, you threw in 10 minutes to make some of the adults laugh, it isn't the end of the world. Moving on. What I liked about this movie was the theme of it. You know, Sonic is now struggling with being a hero. And I like the fact that the opening sequence is him messing up as a hero. And I like the I like the fact that they're treating him like a teenage child, because, you know, for those of us who have dealt with teenage children, they think they know everything and they're a little hard to manage. And there's a lot of emotion and a lot of um, hormones going on. And, you know, it can cause a lot of conflict. And that is Sonic's story in this. And I like the fact that at the worst part of this movie for him, uh, you know, at, at the part where things are the bleakest is the tacit recognition that he has messed up the whole way and that he isn't doing the right thing and he is trying desperately to fix it and still messing up. And it isn't until at the end when he's like, I clearly need help, which is something he was rejecting at the beginning of it. You know, like, I don't need help. I'm the fastest man on earth. Um, and now he's, you know, realizing through- He was also experience. in Hawaii recently on an ill-fated <laughs> expedition. Throughout the course of the movie, this met, this is a nice arc for our hero character to come to the tacit recognition that he does need people in his life. He needs the wisdom of parents. He needs the um, the comfort of brotherhood to guide him, you know, on the straight and narrow. And that is what makes him successful. And 
when you think about the first movie, you brought it up before, but I want to really talk about this. The, the first movie, he is overwhelmed by loneliness and he feels disconnected and untethered to the world. And he spins around the bases and he sets off an EMP. And then at the end, he has found he has found a greater family. He has found a social support network and he is better off for it. And they re they reference that first scene with now he's got people to play baseball with. I cried. I was like, this is this is good writing. This is beautiful. This is solid. Between so I don't know what they're gonna do for Sonic Three, but Sonic One and Two are nice complementary movies of each other, uh, which I like. I like the fact that he's just like here's more Sonic shit because the first one made money. I like that they brought a lot of stuff from the first one forward into the second one and dealt with it and resolved a lot of it. So it felt like if they never do another Sonic movie again, they will. Um, it felt like one whole story between the two movies. You know, James Marsden, um, I, I give him a lot of credit. He knows he's not the star of this thing. He does his, he, he does what he's told. He does a serviceable job, but he knows that the, that the reason why people are showing up to this is not any of the human characters. It's Sonic. And if Sonic is working and to a lesser extent, if, Jim Carrey is working, then the whole film is working, and he just has to be there and not not be terrible. James Marsden does a great job of not being terrible. You know, he, he's there for what that's, he needs to. Be. That's the like that should be his business card. Like anytime, <laughs> anytime that guy goes in for a, a reading or an, or an audition. So yeah, I'm James Marsden. I'm really good at not being terrible. Yep, I am completely serviceable in, in any role you need me for, and and that's great. Like. Except maybe Cyclops, but I blame the writing more than him. That's yeah, that's that, not his that's fault. just Cyclops. I have yeah. yet to come across a writer who didn't make Cyclops unbearable. There's a handful of comic arcs. I mean, his his bit is like the savior of mutant kind when he absorbed the Phoenix Force was legitimately good. But back to Sonic. Um, I enjoyed Idris Elba as Knuckles. I liked his arc. I liked the fact that he had a redeemable character in that. He was motivated by the war that left him an orphan. He was manipulated by Jim Carrey's character, Dr. Robotnik, um, as he is wont to do. And when he realized that Dr. Robotnik was an evildoer and that there is no reason to continue his hatred of Sonic when he realized that you know, they had commonality, you know, he uh, he turns and he becomes an ally. And I, it was a nice story. Like, again, complimentary to complimentary to the writing that they made the Knuckles character more than just a one-dimensional, you know, boss character. They gave him an actual character and a story uh, that gets resolved by the end. I think there's some weakness with the Tails character. He seems to be there just to sort of push the plot forward. They don't really do anything with Tails. He's not really a, a character in this. And a couple of exposition dumps, yeah. Yeah. It does feel like they spend so much time worrying about developing Knuckles' character that they were worried about developing Tails as a character. Yeah, I feel like this was the Sonic and Knuckles story, and Tails was just sort of there because, you know, the kids all squeed at the end of the first one. So they got to do something with him. But it almost feels like Jennifer in Back to the Future. Where it's like, well, we referenced her at the end of the movie. We got to include her somehow in Back to the Future too. But uh, there's a better story to be told here with you know future Biff, um, or you know present day evil Biff. So I, I didn't love the writing on Tails. I don't feel like they developed a character at all. It was just a you know a cutesy animated uh, object that spouts dialogue and spends half of it being unconscious. Um, last thing I'll say, and I'll pitch it over to you, Robert. Uh, Jim Carrey, I really thought was going to, 
he annoyed me in the last movie. I think we talked about this. You know, it seemed a little, he seemed a little liar liarish, a little too Jim Carrey-ish. Uh, but they they seem to have reined that in somewhat. But it was like, we got Jim Carrey. We needed to let him, we need to let him do Jim Carrey. But don't let him it, go completely crazy. If you don't let the guy do what you mm-hmm. hired him to do, then why'd you hire him in the first place? Exactly. Right. It's like, what's the point of bringing in Jim Carrey if you're not going to let him chew the scenery? So here, there's a little bit of that too, but I feel like he had more of a character that isn't just Jim Carrey than not. Like, Dr. Robotnik felt a little bit more fleshed out here than he did in the first one. The first one felt a lot of, like, Jim Carrey improv, and it was like, you're evil, you're Dr. Robotnik, be evil and smart. Okay, then. Like, I, I got, a, like, a Robin Williams, Aladdin, genie vibe from him in the first movie, and I didn't get that vibe in this one. It felt, you know, he he wanted revenge. That was clear. He still a genius. That's clear. He had a very set goal. He was manipulating Knuckles. I like. I kind of like the fact that Jim Carrey, you know, almost takes a backseat to Idris Elba, um, so that they can get to the part of the movie where he becomes the ultimate power. I like that a lot. Um, I don't have very many complaints about this movie. I genuinely divorced from my family's experience with it. Just my own kind of first viewing and then thinking about it as a critic. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I think this was a solidly good outing by this writing and production team. Um, The the performances are spot on. I think it's a nearly perfect kids movie. Are are, are there some quibbles? Are there some things that could have been tightened up? Sure. But given the length and breadth, Morbius, of the things that we review on here, I mean, this is a solid home run for me. So what did you think, Robert? I'm not going to call this a home run. Um, well, let me start by saying, because you guys have been positive. I'm going to be positive as well. So let me first say. Hang on. <laughs> let me first say, on the whole, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think this is a solid, again, if we're doing pass fail, this is a easy pass. Yeah. This, is, this easily would pass on a passing grade, right? I did not enjoy this as much as I did the first, which surprised me a little bit. Okay. I think elements of the dialogue took a serious step backwards. By which characters? Or just in general? Okay. There's a lot of thing on screen, character must then say thing on screen. Okay. And this drives me up the wall uh, because it's, it's bad writing. Okay. A, a bomb is lit. I don't need the bad guy to look at the lit bomb and go, this will slow down the pursuers before he chucks <laughs> it at the cops. Gotcha. I don't need that. No one needs that. Stop it. Okay. There's a lot of that. And I find that to be off-putting. Fair. The humor, I think, took a step backwards as well. It's not too, that there's nothing that I laughed at. Too juvenile, too sophomoric? What? Yeah. Both? More juvenile. Like, okay. The, it's not that there's no place for juvenile humor in Sonic the Hedgehog. He is a teenager by as a general rule. It's also a game made for children. I, I'm aware. Okay. I played it when it came out in the 90s. I was the target audience. Yes. You old man. <laughs> <laughs> but there's... I think the first one had the right balance of humor that 
appeals to children without being very stupid. Okay. I think we took a step towards more stupid in this one. There's a few too many times we do the fake profanity thing. I mean, the first time... I thought the shit-talking mushroom joke was funny. That one's good. Like, that one's good. The fact that they go back to that, like, three other times throughout the course of the movie, in some other... I mean, again, it's the same format. Character says something that sounds like a swear word, but isn't. Oh... Like again, Jim Carrey makes that one work, and the fact that it's this giant planet full of mushrooms, like it, that one's funny. The more we do it, the less funny it becomes, and they go back to that well more than one too many times. Okay. Um, I think they. So as a general rule, I think the humor took a. If the if the first movie's humor is fundamentally aimed at. 12 to 14 year olds mm-hmm. this one feels like it's 10 to 12 year olds if That's that makes fair. sense i had an eight-year-old and an 11 year old with me and they thought this was the avengers endgame so and that I, it just bothered me a little bit because some of it is very very stupid some of it works and and again i'm not saying that all i was not rolling my eyes the entire time i laughed i had a good mm-hmm. time but there were some of those jokes that I just kind of went, really? <laughs> like, we really? You guys are better than this. The wedding. Here's my issue with the wedding sequence. Okay. It's not properly integrated into the overall story. To your point, I agree with you. It feels like a whole new movie. And I think that's my biggest problem with it. And the entire. Mi- there was a. I was surprised. There's a, a portion during like the middle third of this movie that I was just not having a good experience. And I was mm-hmm. surprised. I enjoyed most of the setup. I agree with you about... I like when they establish the stakes for Sonic and what his arc's going to be. That's all good. I like that he screws up. I like the introduction of Tails. I like the first fight between Sonic and Knuckles. It's great. Like, there's a lot of good stuff here, and then it kind of dies in the middle. Yeah. And... It picks up again at the finale, thankfully. But <laughs> that middle segment is is really rough to get through. You get a bunch of... It almost a, feels like this isn't the script they wrote. Like, they wrote yeah. a script, and that the whole middle section had to be rewritten, then rewritten, then noted, then rewritten again, and then finally thrown out and restarted. This, There were two different groups that, uh, credited with writing this movie. There's one tandem because their mm-hmm. names are separated with an ampersand, and then there's an and for another guy. I would be willing to guess one of those two groups is responsible for all of the studio note portions of this, Yeah, because that's... it does not feel cohesive. No, I was it... constantly, hey, let's see what the dipstick deputy's up to back in Green Hill as he rides around <laughs> on a Razor scooter. Like, what are we doing? There's a cut of this somewhere with none of that stuff's in there, and they're like, there's not enough funny stuff for the adults in this. I... You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the adults would be more interested in what was actually happening than the, like, <laughs> I, I would almost guarantee, I, I don't, there's just so much stuff in here that mm. during the middle, you just don't need. Yeah. And it doesn't feel, again, it doesn't feel connected. It doesn't feel cohesive and it drags everything down. Agreed. There, this felt longer than, this felt longer than it really is. I think this clocks in at. It's not um, a long movie. It's two hours and two minutes and it felt longer. 
it uh, yeah that middle portion feels like it adds like 20 minutes to the overall runtime it's yeah agreed and that's my big gripe with the writing on this one overall is there's a there's an improper integration of some of the ideas that you were trying to get across here as far as appealing to broader audiences frankly i think adult audiences would be more interested in just exploring the relationship between Sonic and Tails mm -hmm. than they would be some of the shenanigans that we have people get up to. Hey, they're going to play volleyball with a bunch of guys shirtless. Like, I, I appreciate that you're going for an eye candy thing here, but I don't need that. I don't need... I thought I, that that scene was the point of that scene was to allude at what because it was like wow all of your friends are in such good shape because they're undercover agents. Yeah, I can I just say I hate that <laughs> twist. Okay, so let me throw this out there because I 100% I, I agree with you, but I think you and I know because we both are like inside the brain of studio executives that they, they saw a cut of this and they were like, not enough. The, I, I think one or two or a combination of both things happened. They were like, too much stuff that's going to need to be CGI'd. Let's cut this and let's cut this and replace this with human actors. We can save money on the budget. And I think the other half of it is can we not do some more stuff with the human actors because there's plenty in here for kids. We don't have enough for the adults. And while I agree with you that I think in reality, people would have reacted better to the more, more Sonic stuff. I think studio executives don't believe that. I'm sure they don't. And I'm equally sure they're idiots. Does anyone well, else think there's a possibility that the actors simply said they wanted more and they got, and they got their agents say we want our character. It's like we want to be able to do more. We don't want to just be on screen for five minutes. That's hey, a possibility. If in order for you know, I, I'll come back. But if all I'm going to do is yell at James Marsden for a scene or two, I'm not coming back for this. Get another actress. I got other shit to do. Look, your and paycheck's the same either way. Yeah, but I mean, what? So they didn't. So like, okay, uh, you'll get this, uh, Robert. We'll call it the Lyndon Ashby clause. There, there you get, is. You say you got that. There is a possibility that the actress who plays the sister looked at this and said, "This is going to be highly seen by a lot of people. This is an opportunity for me to step into a bigger, more comedic, maybe like um, uh, Melissa McCarthy type roles. I need more screen time." And they were like, "We don't want to recast this role. That's a pain in the ass." So, and she's funny. Or they perceive her to be funny, so let's do something more with her. I think there's a combination of things going on. I don't think it's just one thing. No, no, I, I agree, and mm -hmm. I, I'm certainly not pointing to any one thing as like this is the only thing that could have caused this. Yeah, I just think I'm not even saying that there's not a point to be made about getting the human actors to do more things. Again, you're paying these people; you're not. They're not cheap. You may, and again, their paycheck's the same whether you use them a little or a lot, so you may as well try to get something more out of them. I just, it's very evident to me that this was, these were late additions to the yeah. overall narrative, and they did not have time to properly integrate everything into a cohesive story. And the movie suffers for it. There's not really any two ways about it. Okay. The finale sequence is great. Like that's when the movie picks back. Like once they get to the island, once they get to the temple under the ocean, like things pick up again. Yeah. And that's when uh, you know, again things start happening. You start getting a bit back into what's going on. Um, the relationship between Sonic and Tails is a bit uh, forced and a bit rushed. underwritten. I was gonna say they, they tried to speed run it. Yeah. Like they Tails shows up and. You either need to establish that Sonic is more desperate for companionship than they do, 
So he will just unnaturally glom onto the first person in this scenario. Or create a, or create a friendship between them in the first yeah. part of the movie so that when you wreck it, Sonic is as distraught as he's presented to be. Yeah, they're, they, they kind of rush through that. And I think part of the logic here being... I imagine there's a cut again. There's a, a version of the script where there is time devoted to that, mm -hmm. and the studio note is a big red X through it, going, "Kids will <laughs> buy this after 20 seconds. Move on." Agreed. <laughs> and so that's a bit of a problem. Knuckles. Eighty percent of Knuckles in this movie is awesome. Yeah. Then there's 20% where you can basically see the giant flashing neon sign over his over his head that goes, that was the note to the writers, write him like Drax. <laughs> you are not the first person that I have seen make that comparison so far. There has been a lot of talk how they said that they just like, let's see here. Because Knuckles' character in the games, he's a noble warrior from a legacy of, he's the last descendant of a, of a tribe of warriors, and he's an idiot. Yeah, he's very, he's somewhat easily manipulated. It's kind of, it, well, it is a bit of his how, character staple. Well, yeah, I mean, that's how you get his main plot going, is that Robotnik convinces him that Sonic is his enemy and going to steal the Master Emerald so he can keep Sonic and Knuckles busy while he goes to steal the Emerald. That's the whole point of his character. And I'm actually going to say this, if I may, Robert, one of the things I really did like about this movie was that I felt it was one of the few video game adaptations to really stay true to the elements of the game yeah. without making it feel like it's just point A to point B to point C, get it done. I felt that the quest elements of this movie and the way that they brought so much from the games, it genuinely felt like a good video game adaptation. Yeah, 100%. And, and again, there's a bunch of stuff with Knuckles that is not Drax Light. When he smashes a video display that's showing Sonic after Robotnik's like playing around with a hologram, there the tiny you know the tiny magic Sonic is destroyed. Let's go find the real one. That makes sense to me because he's not familiar with the technology in play. Him reading the text messages out and including the dots that indicate typing felt like Drax. But it was still and funny. I mean, even yeah, I'm, you're not wrong, but I think it worked. Even if you can clearly see that they were lifting from Batista's performance, I think it works well for the character. So it's like, it, if it ain't broke. Again, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I, I think why I, I think why it bothered me a little bit is that when he's not cribbing from Drax, like, again, there's lines that you can tell were like, insert. Mm -hmm. When he's not, like, uh, <laughs> one of them, for example, when they're on the biplane. And you know, was it really a good idea to invite, you know, this guy along, he was trying to kill us 20 minutes ago. And so, no, he's a good guy. He was just a little, you know, twisted. And he then does the, the version of nothing goes over my head. I would catch it. My reflexes are too good. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit later, like, I, I think a, a line of dialogue later, Tails goes, so you're not mad that I hit you with a car? No, I was not physically harmed at all. And my revenge will come when you least expect it, Fox. That <laughs> one. That was like, funny. That line worked. Because, and that's very much, again, what my read on this character is. Again, the not being able to get metaphors felt like, again, a note about, hey, this is somewhat popular with children. How about we just insert a few more lines that are very directly influenced by this? And when it's not that, it's very clearly 
like it's a little bit like um like ant-man you can tell which parts are done by which group yeah and when it came to knuckles dialogue i had that sensation like here's 80 percent of this give or take okay we're, and we're then get... here's the studio notes okay. we're getting on an hour so wrap up yeah so that's that's one of my other again it's a small negative but it did kind of it kind of ground on me the wrong way once or twice uh again shadow i hate shadow the hedgehog that <laughs> everyone no one likes shadow the hedgehog that's the only... clearly not true no. my son was screaming the ultimate specimen at him Her here's it. here's your like... son likes jellystone hang on hey here's first who... of all fuck you um <laughs> second, leave, leave him alone he's eight he's allowed to have opinions you bitch um, <laughs> hang on jesus christ you want to bully another you want to bully an autistic child and a dude in a wheelchair while you're at it leave him alone here's who likes shadow the hedgehog yes people who in about four years will think the punisher is the best hero in the world okay he is Sha the the, the shadow shadow is an anti-hero he is an edge lord he, he was really created is. specifically to be <laughs> i'm sorry did you just like nearly have stuff go out your nose yeah you nearly angry dragon me with my hard seltzer oh, God, <laughs> like he's an edge lord wow that is he is he is, he is. <laughs> he's he was created yeah and they do this big thing about how he's he lit yeah i mean your 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 son was right shadow's backstory is that he was created to be the ultimate specimen and to have the cures for all diseases in the world okay. he was literally created to save the granddaughter of this scientist who what was it robert like robotnik's great-grandfather or I something like that i don't know it's some relative of robotnik's and yeah he's he's edgy and he's got he's dark a, hair and the uh, red streaks and he I'm talks getting, like this. what is the name I'm of the dog from the simpsons robert um poochie i'm getting poochie vibes here little bit okay little bit yeah the fact is that there's nothing wrong with kids liking shadow but for a lot of us we look at him and it's very much so you were created by a marketing company weren't you I mean that's fair, but and you, that's kind here's of the other at a certain level goes over children's heads. Go ahead. Here's Robert. the other thing about Shadow, and this is kind mm. of the big thing for I think most people who've been around the fandom. If you want to get real particular about when you think the Sonic games and the Sonic universe goes downhill a little bit, a lot of people point to Sonic Three and Knuckles because Knuckles showing up starts the cascade of secondary characters. Mm -hmm. and... You can hang on. You can argue that point. I'm not sure I agree, but you can argue it. By the time Shadow shows up, we have well and truly jumped the shark. Yeah, and he's not kidding about the secondary characters. Sonic has created more secondary characters than I think any other game franchise. Really? I think it honestly beats Mario. I was going to ask that because I've played Mario Kart, where the characters that you, you can play know, in Mario no, Kart no, no. are endless. Hang on. In Mario Kart, what they have are iterations of minions. They do not <laughs> have characters. Okay. Like, like in Mario Kart, you can be any of the main named characters. Or the Koopa, a Koopa Kids. Again, or a Koopa or a Toadstool. Like there's, or again, if you wanted to bring in the greater Nintendo verse, then sure you get Donkey Kong and that associated group of characters. But Mario as his own property, you've got Mario and Luigi, Princess Peach, Daisy. Princess I mean, a, maybe you want to count Rosalina. She's a more recent addition. Yoshi. Bowser. Character, Bowser, Toad, and Bowser's offspring. 
that's okay. really not all that many, believe it or not. If you look at Sonic, we've got Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy, Big the Cat, Cream, Cheese. There. Oh, who's their little buddy? Name the name escapes me. The one a that's lo- the one that looks like. Are we talking about the one that looks like a bumblebee? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got Rouge. You got that giant alligator. Rouge. Okay, we got it. There's there's more Sonic characters than there are Mario. I'm I'm we got it. Yeah, it's like you might have fun looking up DeviantArt creations, but just try to find fan art of all the characters that already exist. You will be busy for the rest of the night. If you look at okay. if you look up the Sonic Heroes game, for the record, mm-hmm. you play as a team of three, and they're set teams of three. So you get Sonic Tails and Knuckles. You get. Amy Rouge and um No, Rouge is with Rouge is with, uh, Rouge is with Shadow, Shadow and yeah. again I can't remember the name. It's the alligator character. Yeah. There's the point being there's about 5 different teams that are all three individual unique characters that you rotate through depending on the challenge the game presents you with. A lot. Okay. Of and, that, and that doesn't even get into Silver the Hedgehog, who was a blatant oh. shadow clone. Oh, okay, nerds. What, anything else about the movie? Um, okay. Like the music, I, perhaps? I'm not. Well, again, we for... did love hearing the t- the Green Hills Zone on the ringtone. <laughs> that was fun. I'm not going to set you up for the segue just yet. I think there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, okay, get to it. This movie does a really good job of integrating its Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. A, in the way that if you know that they're there, they're fun additions, but they're not huge detractors if you don't. Again, when Sonic gets hit at the end of the avalanche scene and his rings go everywhere and he goes, no, my rings. <laughs> I felt that in my soul. <laughs> so many like I times. said, breathing in the air bubble when he's yeah. almost drowning. You have that just. Yeah, it, it's not. There's so many movies where they throw in Easter eggs, and you can tell they're going, "Get it, get it, get it." This movie doesn't do that. Uh, it it really doesn't. Um, the animation, since you guys brought it up, um, most of it's really, really good. There's a couple of scenes that I don't know if this was a budget or a timing issue or whatnot, but. There's some of the scenes, like I mentioned the avalanche, there's some of those sequences in that that the quality is so different from some of the other stuff that it's a bit jarring. Um, kind of similar in the, oh, God, help me, the dance-off. I can't believe you hadn't mentioned the dance-off yet. I was waiting for you to mention that and start groaning. Um, look, I'm not going to groan too much. Is it, the, is it the worst thing in this movie? No, it's not the wedding. Was I... <laughs> happy about it being there not especially but I, like that's the kind of thing that i accept you're going to throw into a movie aimed at small children because hey we get to see them dance funny i did like anything the idea of the backup else? dancers anything else <laughs> that was good uh now on the whole i enjoyed it again i've spoken about some of the things that i think could have been tightened up uh in, again, I enjoyed it. Idris Elba's Knuckles wound up being great. Like, I was happy when they cast him because I like Idris Elba, but he really went above and beyond with this character. So good on him for that. I'm with you that they gave... They they shortchanged Tails a little bit, and I think, that's a, I think that's unfortunate. But they gave Knuckles and Sonic a, a good relationship and a good basis for their relationship, so I give them credit for that. Everything that they, you know, the characters make decisions. There's only a couple of points when I kind of went, so we're clearly only here because the plot needs to advance. 
Um, and they're few enough and further far enough between that it's not the biggest issue of writing in the world. Uh, again, I have issues with the dialogue and the integration of certain things, and the pacing in the middle is just ter it's borderline terrible. Okay. Um, let's talk about the music. They played Barracuda in there. I, I heard my daughter laughing at that. That made me feel good. I, I always enjoy a good use of uh, Barracuda. We played, played Barracuda. We got Uptown Funk because, of course, we did. Of course, we did because it's 2022. I mean, it wasn't, look, it wasn't Sabotage, so I was happy. Hey, I like <laughs> Uptown Funk. Um, and you know, Robert, where you can hear all of these great songs that they included in Sonic the Hedgehog? Well, I can get them for free on YouTube, but for you, those of you who would like to do this, <laughs> for those of you who would like to do this without the ad that without the ad problem that YouTube brings up, or having to try and let your computer cycle through endless remixes of the same songs because the YouTube algorithm, when it comes to determining these things, needs a lot of work. There is one of the best music streaming services on the internet, Amazon Music Unlimited. You're right, Robert Winfrey. For a, you can get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited uh, if you head to getamazonmusic.com/wtmnetwork. Make sure you complete the sign-up process. Uh, go ahead, com complete all of that. You'll get your free 30 days. At the end of it, you can choose to keep it. Its prices are nominal with uh, Spotify and Apple Music, and I think it's a better service. Or you can cancel it. No fuss, no muss, no contracts, no pains in the butt. Again, that's getamazonmusic.com/wtmnetwork. And with that, here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. Here's a shock. Sonic the Hedgehog won the weekend, which we said it was going to. But like a large. I'm like, are you looking at that number? That's crazy, man. Wow. <laughs> Seven times. What? You know what? That's a big number, but more than that, I'm looking at that fall Morbius took, and you lose, you open a bit soft to begin with, then you lose 70-plus percent of your audience yeah. over that first weekend. Everyone who was going to see that movie saw it opening weekend, and then they were and, like, and like nah, brah, we'll just wait for it to come on Netflix. They open, Apparently, it is the second highest drop for a superhero movie, second only to Dark Phoenix. That is not good. That, look, everyone who saw, was going to see that saw it and then immediately regretted it. Yeah. Um, if you so, want our thoughts on Morbius, Mark, Pat, and I got together and we, <laughs> I got my pickaxe and my shovel out and we buried that thing in the backyard. That was mostly Robert and Pat. My wife came home in the middle of that and I had to listen to her tell me about her date with her ex-fiance. So I missed a lot of that review, but I, I I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say your, what you did was probably a more interesting use of time than Morbius. <laughs> probably. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Would have rather have talked Morbius than hear her drone on and on about her ex-fiance and the patching up their friendship. But what? whatever, I don't get what I always want. Speaking of which, um, at a budget of $110 million on the north side, uh, the box office take was almost $150 million as of this uh, recording, which is Tuesday, April 12th, the day before my son's birthday, as a matter of fact. Well, yeah, for the record for everyone, uh, it, it did $72 million here in the United States. It had already opened overseas, which is why the total's higher. Yeah, um, it's it's doing quite well. Yeah, it's We're clearly going to get that sequel. We are getting a Sonic 3. Um, that being said... Uh, it won the weekend. It, uh, it's got a gross of 72 million. Morbius dropped from one to two, and the aforementioned almost 75% drop in theaters. 
Um, I, I'm curious to see. Not, hang on, not theater numbers. That like that's just the money that it dropped. Yeah. It, it only took in ten well, million in second week. I'm curious to see if it's if it's going to be uh, if they kept the budget low enough. See, see, the problem with Morbius is you have the same problem as New Mutants and James Bond, where it got delayed yeah. so many times. Yeah. You know, like they, they shot this thing in 1975, and it only aired last week. So you know, it, it, was it good, might like, have lost was, some money. It was originally scheduled to be a a touring vaudeville act back in the 1920s <laughs> when the Spanish flu happened. It was, what, what people don't know is Morbius was a silent film, but then the talkies came and they had to re-edit the whole damn thing. Again, it started as a vaudeville play and then the Spanish flu pandemic killed it then they rewrote it and then World and then World War II happened. I don't know if you know this, Robert, but Morbius was originally written by William Shakespeare. and it... <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was cribbing from an unpublished play from... Uh, from Sophocles back uh, in the like, I've heard thing. I've heard the original script for Morbius was burnt in the burning of the Alexandria library. I don't know if you know that or not. I mean, it, it's sad that we lost the original ending back when the <laughs> back when the library of Alexandria was sacked, but you Are know, you sure they didn't find the original plot in the Qunran caves? They might have. I mean, I'm sure when we find the next Dead Sea Scroll, it'll tell you how this should have actually. My gone. understanding is the original edit was was uh, carved into stone tablets that Moses was given to from God at the top of Mount Sinai. Really? So, oh, so that's no, what no, no, turns Nazi or melts Nazis, huh? No, no. <laughs> act- <laughs> Morbius. Th- no, I'm. Oh. Not gonna say it. Okay. <laughs> no, you girls. No, I told you stop no, no, doing no. it. I have, I have a better. I have a better joke. You don't want to joke about a certain political party popular in Germany in the 1930s because we don't want to get demonetized. Re- Look, the real problem with the Morbius script is the when you when you try to translate it from the original cuneiform. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting notes from the original cave drawings of Morbius. Okay, yeah. I, I hate to say the, it. The, the I, th- th- there's one tiny little problem, guys. <laughs> I think we just re- used up all the jokes we were going to use for Top Gun 2. <laughs> well, no, I've got other jokes for Top Gun. <laughs> also, also by then, we can reuse these. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's enough weeks. It's a month or so later. We can do them again. <laughs> yeah, we can do the same exact routine. Uh, word for great. Word. Anyway. Rattle Broadcasting Network. Don't for recycling jokes. <laughs> we really are. I, I mean, was like, are you <laughs> fucking new? <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? Like, we're either, you know, like hacks or terrible or unoriginal. I don't know where you've been. Um, anyway, The Lost City debuted, uh, or rather, fell um, from two to three. Ambulance, which I reviewed last night with Ronnie Adams. I Oof. imagine you, hang on. I'm gonna, I haven't listened to your review yet, so I'm going to mm-hmm. take a shot in the dark. Yeah. You came up a couple of times, by the way, early on in the conversation. Oh, great. That depresses me more than you could possibly know. You two have, you, you can just talk about the movie. You don't need to bring me. No, up. no. We had to talk about your hatred and, aller- and allergic reaction to Michael Bay. It comes up a lot. I imagine that you both had a good time at this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think I, some other critic described this as simultaneously the best and worst of Michael Bay. I mean, my father and I were talking about it at pizza last night, and we were like, "This was a two and a half hour car chase." And if you like and two and a half hour, one. and if you like two and a half hour car chases, it's great. Like my son's excited to watch it when it comes on Peacock. I, I think just because it was so out of the ordinary from what I typically watch, um, even you know, given that a two and a half hour car chase is not something you see in every movie, it's been done, but not often. Uh, I was, I was interested. I, you know, and yeah. Ronnie and I had a nice conversation about it, but neither one of us thought it was, you know, going to, you know, it was it was not a rebirthing of film when the world was young or anything like that. Hey, anyway, I mean, look, the be- I, I say, imagine. 
can I take a fly again? I haven't heard your review, but I'm gonna guess the best thing about that movie is Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. Yeah, him screaming at the camera for two and a half hours. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, well, anyway, I, mean, and- I would say, isn't it? Al- it's already better than you know the worst of Michael Bay, as long as they didn't hit a Bud Light truck and grab a beer as they were spinning out. You after do- but- after doing a slow mo after doing a slow motion car wreck in right in front of a Victoria's Secret Age of Extinction ad. is high art. Shut up, both of you. Um- Age of Ex- <laughs> Hang on, Age of Extinction is high commercials. <laughs> like, like that is Age of Extinction is the absolute peak. Of what it is to get your product in front of as many people as possible. Can I? That's finish? all that okay. is. Ambulance debut at number four and is joining the long line of um, known directors whose shit is bombing left and right. We've been Roland Emmerich and Martin Scorsese. Just all of these old as the hill directors can't get anything made that people will see. Uh, the fact in, that you just theaters. put Roland Emmerich and Martin Scorsese in the same category, film students all over the world just felt a shudder go down their back and they don't know why. We live in dark like, times, people. The only, um, the only uh, your point, Mark, is well made that these people are that these directors are struggling to find a, a wide audience. They're just for mm-hmm. very different reasons. Scorsese's yeah. making films at this point that are a bit too niche. Emmerich, people have just realized that most of what Emmerich and uh, bay in particular are putting out these days is crap and they're not interested well the other side of that and and this is i think emblematic um when you look at rotten uh red letter media just did their half in the bag on moonfall we reviewed it when it was contemporaneous in theaters they waited until it was pvod you know and, and a lot of the conversation was no one knew it existed and that's the thing like i go to the movies enough that we saw the trailers you know the bad moon rising and all of that and so we were aware of it, and I'm specifically aware of it because I do this podcast. But the point that Jay makes on on half in the bag is that apparently, despite its marketing campaign, no one knew this thing was even in theaters, and then it was market, out before anyone realized it. Its marketing campaign was a rush job at the last. I mean, we talked about this when we discussed the movie, mm-hmm. but when we did review it, like that, I enjoyed the trailer. Like again, they put together a good trailer for it. Yeah, yeah. Kubrick's uh, film company does good trailers. I mean. Say what you will about the 98 Godzilla, but the marketing campaign for that thing was genius. It was. genuinely was. So Batman fell from three to five, and that's about to go to HBO Max as hey, of, I think, hey, this Tuesday. You ready to pay up? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to make a billion. Shit happens. Um, what's, what, did, what did we bet? Did, did I just go one shiny nickel on that, or did we actually sure. like establish a bet? Uh, I'll, take, I'll take one shiny nickel. I will mail it to you, along with pot roast. Um, I make a darn good pot roast. Like you, you want to bribe me with something it has to be something I can't okay. do better. Every, everything, everywhere, all at once had its wide release finally. And it jumped from nine to six and it like jumped almost 500, uh, or rather, uh, I think like a thousand some odd theaters. We are reviewing that along with after Yang. We're just waiting for it to go PVOD. I believe next month on the week that we're not reviewing something in the theater. Uncharted dropped from four to seven, Spider-Man, no way home, seven to eight dog, eight to nine, sing to 10 to 11. Um, also in theaters was this past weekend's UFC pay-per-view hey. versus Korean Zombie. Selena has a re-release. I covered that. So did we, and I was desperately trying to not fall asleep. Um, not because of the I, pay-per-view, because I hadn't slept. Well, th- look, man, the fight between Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling was not scintillating. But <laughs> if you, Mark, you are an appreciator of technique as much as you are of the fight. If Alexander Volkanovsky putting on a, a clinic mm-hmm. and just beating the dog snot out of the 
shame on Zombie's corner for letting him come out for that fourth round, and kudos to the ref for stopping that at the first. Yeah, Dan and I were like super confused by that. We were like, wait, what happened now? And then like we were okay with it. We we weren't arguing against it, but yeah, it was it was interesting. That fight got uncomfortable to watch in the middle of the third round. About the second time Volkanovsky clobbered him almost to the ground. Like yeah. somebody needs to stop this or something bad is going to happen. For sure. Um, all right. Rounding out the top 20 is the Contractor X, uh, which we will be reviewing on a triple feature. Once that grows PVOD, that'll be myself and Sean Comer, uh, because who doesn't want to do a triple feature about porn-adjacent movies? Uh, Mothering Sunday. I'm just which, waiting for you guys to start the porn reviews show. I'm close. Um, here's the problem. I don't want to keep doing podcasts, as, like, as many as I've been doing. I'm trying to cut back. On the other hand, who wouldn't want to review porn? Right, Alexis? You know what I'm saying. Don't answer that. Anyway. Um, I wasn't going to. Good, good on you. Uh, you won't be alone. I know You're when like... to shut up around you, Mark. <laughs> the name, um, Mark. Here's the here's the name for your show. Yeah, harder than it looks. <laughs> Damn because... it! That's too good. I can't. I can't <laughs> not use that. Robert, why did you have to say anything? Listen, man. I I, wa- I am going to encourage him to do something stupid like this until he doesn't. So I had to clear out every Sunday show. There was a handful I had to I had to keep because I promised. Like Evan's got a really crazy schedule, so it's like if I have a staff, if I have established date with Evan, I can't move it. And then there's a couple I've promised Ronnie over the next couple of months where I'm like, he's only available a couple of days a week. I don't want to move those. But I every other Sunday show I cleared out because I need to be available to be social. And so, like, I'm doing double shots on Mondays now. You're gonna end up where I'm gonna be do where I'm gonna be like, if I'm not if I'm not recording with Harry doing indie cider stuff, I'm gonna now be doing this new show called Harder Than It Looks, either Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Where you seriously, you trying to review it will be amusing if nothing. I don't think it'll last as a show. But there's like a four hour Dark Knight porn. I would love to review. Oh dear God! <laughs> it is two discs, two hours a piece. It's phenomenal. Anyway, I did not uh, need to know that existed, but thanks. That scares me I more will... than I than the question of what what theaters are still playing Sing Two. I will send you the links when we're done. Do um, not send me links to your smut. I do not partake. I must. Uh, Inland also re-released uh, number twenty. Other new releases this week are Viva Maestro, which came in at twenty five. Cow Moo uh, came in at twenty nine. <laughs> And that's it for uh, the last that. twelve months. We've had pig. <laughs> we've had pig, wolf, uh, cow, cow, lamb, dog, lamb, dog. dog. <laughs> Whitney, where are you, Whitney Seibold? We need to do more. Another. We need to do you know, another hoofcore show. Y- you know, in all seriousness, this was a genius and under the radar way to set up the old McDonald's cinematic. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on, oh, buddy. Oh, my God. Guys. Take a bow, motherfucker. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I was, I'll be right I was... back. My dog's just turned on the TV over here. It's fine. Right we're, we're just going to do the worldwide box go. office. Right. I was I was expecting to get the sad trombone from that one. but No, that was, that, was, that was fucking genius, brother. Um, <laughs> all right. So Batman not quite hitting the billion dollar mark like I thought it would. And it's about to go PVOD, which means it's not going to hit a billion. It might get it might get to 800 million. It might eat that close. But it, yeah. it, it, it's going to it's run out of fucking steam. Um, Come on, at this point. Mark. There's a Fantastic Beasts movie next week. It's over. It's no, not I, even gonna, it's not going to hit the 800 million. <sighs> Stragglers worldwide. Eh. Anyway, I'm not really arguing with you. I'm saying it, it's unless it has it. Okay, M- minor caveat. Minor caveat. Mm-hmm. 
if it hasn't already opened in China, China might be good for enough to get it to 800 million. Fair enough. Watergate Bridge at 626, Uncharted. Yay, propaganda. At 383, Too Cool to Kill, 217, Nice View, 20, uh, 211. Sonic the Hedgehog debuting at number six with a bullet at 146. Screen that's going to do. I think I'm. I'd be willing to bet Sonic does very well financially when it's all said and done. I, I think there's a strong I mean, holdover. And well, it, it doesn't really have any major competition. I correct well, me if I'm wrong. It doesn't have any major competition until Doctor Strange comes out. If that's I, no, you're you're incorrect, and I'll tell you why. Because okay. next week, the 22nd, you have uh, the bad guys, which, if my son is any eh. indication, is a very popular book series which a with a built-in child fan base. So. And that's also a DreamWorks movie, which usually does a really good job of, you know, advertising their movies. Um, okay. okay. I have not seen one red cent of marketing about the bad guys. I mean, I've seen the trailers. My son knows I it's there. So, oh, all right, fine. I, I, I've, like, seen a lot, I've seen it pushed a lot on YouTube. And I'm not going to lie, actually. The animation style is uh, kind of intrigued me. It looks... So it has no other it has so, no other competition that weekend. The only other... Wait, 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 wait. We've circled back to the discussion of furries, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm making sure to use that hashtag later on. Um, my point being that <laughs> uh, it's only other competition is the Northman, which is a niche market. It's something that we're reviewing because Gavin requested it, but um, and because I didn't want to make you guys see the bad guys. But well, no one going to see also... the Northman's going to see the bad guys. Also, lest we forget, next week is Fantastic Beasts. This week is Fantastic Beasts. The following week, I'm sorry. Uh, the following week is... The next show that we're doing. Is, yes, is, the next oh. show is Fantastic Beasts. Then after that is The Northmen. Then I think uh, is uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which will hopefully be PVOD by then. And uh, after Yanger, I'm going to have to move some shit around. Uh, in any case, my point being that in terms of like competition with Sonic... You know the bad guys is going to eat into that fairly fairly quickly. Um, Death on the Nile is at number eight out of one hundred and thirty six. Morbius, <laughs> I think we can safely say Morbius is bombed. What was the? Do you remember what the budget on that was? Morbius, the not so living vampire. Hang franchise. on, I'll Wikipedia it. I'll get it for you guys. Okay, and Triple was, R at number ten. It, it wasn't terribly like it wasn't exorbitant, but it wasn't cheap. It was around hundred million, I think. Well, right, and then we have to factor into things that are not directly stated outright, which. Uh, you know, it says here budget was between seventy-five million and eighty-three million. Okay, I mean, so let's it go. Might be Hang might on. be so, semi-profitable, well, but if you're using the same algorithm for fucking James Bond, which you know <laughs> the budget was X, but the you know but it, it, the unstated Y budget because due to ninety-seven injuries and delays made it you know to the point where yeah. it makes almost a billion dollars and still loses money. That, well, what a historical comes- feat. When it comes to Morbius in particular, again, if we go with the high side of 80, mm-hmm. call it 85 for the sake of rounding, sure. the delays are going to cost it more, and that doesn't factor in advertising. Yeah. So I imagine it. I imagine that thing needed to clear $250 million to really be profitable. I think I Sonic don't... dies in the 400s, which is fine, because it'll make it profitable. They've already greenlit three. It'll be fine. But so- I just Sonic will go for Sonic will probably go four to five hundred somewhere in that range. Yeah, I don't think it must pass five. And I, 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 I'm using after after the thrashing I've been taking for fucking Eternals. I don't want to. <laughs> and now the, the Batman. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to say uh, too much. Okay, for for the record, everybody gives you grief over the Eternals because everybody with a brain knew that was a bad bet on your part to say it would make a billion. COVID or no COVID. 
bad bet on your part. The Batman was not a bad bet on your part. Fair enough. Thank you. All right. Um, let's go ahead and move into our final segment of the evening. The critical review. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, the critical review for you listeners of Damn You Hollywood is brought to you by Grammarly, which is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistakes for you on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also capturing contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Freedom. Yeah, right. Freedom. Yeah. I broke into Rage Against the Machine there. All right. So the audiences just love the shit out of this movie, and the critics are like, yeah, it's fine. Um, the critical consensus is it isn't as much fun as the little blue guy's greatest games, but if you enjoyed the first film, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 serves as a generally acceptable sequel. Yeah, that's. I think a lot of critics are going to key into kind of what we did about some of the craft issues, mm-hmm. whereas the general audience might acknowledge that those exist, but they're not. But most uh, most audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes, and this is why when they're bad, they're real bad. Yeah, are are more pass fail than nuanced takes. I don't mean that as a negative. There's some very insightful uh, reviewers that are not uh, professionals on Rotten Tomatoes as well, but. Yeah. When we're talking about aggregating. All right. So Nick Shager is. of the Daily Beast, top critic. Anyone over the edge or t- over the age of twelve had best beware. Well, uh, I'm age. sorry. <laughs> Apparently, somebody never had a childhood. All right, Robert. Well, Robert's father weighing in. Roger Moore of Movie Nation. Cheesy, inane, and only suitable for the ten and unders. I really can't stand reviewers like this who look at something that's clearly a family film that does target kids and all of a sudden they are just like, no, it's for kids, so it sucks. I I do not get reviewers with this mindset. Here's what I'm going to object to. I'm going to object to the inane comment. I don't think that's an accurate descriptor of this movie. This movie does have an ability to reach people on an emotional level in a way that the purely banal does not. And this is this movie is not does not rise to that. Cheesy yeah, parts of it vary to its detriment, but this is not an inane, utterly mindless viewing experience like Mr. Moore is making it out to be. That's a pretty big miss on his part. Bob Chipman of Movie Bob Central. Better than the first one, which is still not the same thing as being good. In other he, words, he really didn't like the first movie and he sat through this one with his teeth gritted. He probably thought, you're the kind of guy who thought the original... Uh, design they were going with for Sonic was probably a step forward because it's less cartoony, you idiot. Oh, the last... Oh, it was an Easter egg in there that I forgot to mention. I loved the fact that the fake Ferris Bueller setup that Sonic had, he drew himself as Sonic. That was great. <laughs> Which I laughed at. The future x Mrs. Winfrey, Tanya Lamb of Lola Lamb Chops. Please stop trying to hook to fix me up mark you are not a matchmaker at all oh you don't know even know the half of that statement um sonic the hedgehog 2 is fun for the whole family with plenty of action laughs and heart the addition of tails and knuckles is a blast for sonic fans and i can see russia from my house you do not get to speak for all sonic fans ma'am shame on you for that 
Yeah, tell her to go back in this hedge and make you a sandwich. It's not the best review ever, but the base, co- but the core of what she's saying is right. It's also just kind of generic. Yeah, it's it's well, her her site kind of plays as a like parents guide to the movies kind of a thing. So she tends to write kind of like the parents guide in the IMDb section. Which is, um, look, that's a valuable thing to do. Oh, it definitely is. Because like, like when I was showing my kids scream and I'm like, all right, tits or no tits? I got to check this. And it was very valuable for that. Um, Todd Jorgensen of Cinema. By the way, tits or no tits is about how I go about my life. I just want everyone to know this. Um, very you simple. Man. You're, you're welcome. Um, I feel like this is a safe space to share, Alexis. Uh, um, <laughs> so, to everyone, so to everyone who is on an audio only format. He is at Mark Radulich on Twitter. <laughs> Feel free to do with that information what you will. Come at me, bros and hoes. Todd Jorgensen of Cinemalog uh, covers much of the same ground as its 2020 predecessor with the same emphasis, emphasis on spectacle over substance aimed at youngsters with short attention spans. Yeah, that's oh, no. Sake. No, 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 no. This does not cover the same ground. The first one is about is about a desperately lonely person who wants to be part of a community, finally being able to find a degree of acceptance and coming to terms with his own somewhat exceptionalism. This is about a guy, this is about a, he's not as, he's not as alone in this movie, but he's still lonely because he is an alien stuck on earth. Like he's here because he wants to be, he could go somewhere else, but he's very much, He's very much not in the same place he was in the first one. And to claim that this treads the same ground, when this one actually deals a lot more with elements of Sonic's trauma, and again, being a war orphan and finding someone else who shares that particular experience, and those two kind of bonding and moving beyond misunderstandings like that, this is this does not tread the same ground as the first one. That's a big, big miss on your part. All right. Bill Jabiri of New York Magazine, Vulture, Top Critic, the hoidiest of toity. I am. Uh, th- this is a gentleman who most certainly enjoys his own emissions. Yes, indeed. The first Sonic worked because it refused, don't you understand, against all odds to turn entirely into product. Oh, get Sonic- bent! <laughs> Sonic Two, by contrast, is a disappointment, but an inevitable one. What do those? It- two, the, the, what do those two sentences have to do with one another? That doesn't. It, it, those that do, that sentence is not. Co- that structure is not cohesive. He's trying to imply that the that Sonic Two is disposable product. It's purely just consumption. It's something purely to be thrown on a streaming platform at some point and consumed mindlessly. Whereas the first one made an attempt not to be. This is this has become. You want to know how you can tell whether or not a critic is someone you should pay attention to. Here's how they go about dismissing things they don't like without ever following up on how they arrived at this conclusion something is just content anytime you see just content know you're dealing with someone whose head is so far up his own ass he can see his own duodenum i'd also like that i just yeah i just read russ simmons you're an idiot russ can i read russ simmons before you (laughs) jesus christ know the script here russ simmons of kkfifm kansas city Alexis's hometown. Alexis, you want to give out your address so people can come find you? No, they're not. All right, moving on. The only thing faster than Sonic, (laughs) Sega's Supersonic Hedgehog, is how fast you may forget the sequel. (laughs) Why did he feel the need to put in that it's Sega's Supersonic Hedgehog? I imagine. Who's reading this review and doesn't know who Sonic is? (laughs) Russ, you're an idiot. (laughs) Someone in the Kansas City area. Go go fish up a large fish 
and then just smack this guy with it. Montali Stormer of Movie Realist, spelled R-E-E-L, dot com. Aren't you just the cleverest? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is too much story for a two-hour film. Aimed oh, at get back! <laughs> there is not enough of the individual pieces to make any part of it compelling. That's what? absolutely not true. The, no, this is not too little story or too much story. L- look, buddy. What you're feeling is the drag in the middle, which we addressed, and is a mm-hmm. real thing in this movie. That doesn't mean there's too little story for this, nor does it mean that this is all spectacle over substance. Spectacle is part of the appeal, but it spectacle only works, only really works, when you care about what's going on. You can get away with spectacle for spectacle's sake on occasion, but you better be really special, like, and I mean really special because otherwise it's shallow hollow pointless and everyone complains about it much like ambulance and most of bay's most recent works all right two more and then we're done johnny alexinki oh you don't want to find kevin carr a fat guy at the movies don't probably on the next page don't tempt me um johnny alexinski of the new york post top critic The novelty has worn off, the charms of the original have evaporated, and there's nowhere for the series to go. And then the dam broke! Um, Okay, there's no novelty to Sonic the Hedgehog as a general rule. It's just a movie. You can say you didn't care for it and give reasons, but claiming that the novelty has worn off is a bit of a misread. Second, to claim that there's nowhere left for the series to go... Somebody left before the mid credit sequence because we all know where they're going. We may not want them to go there, but we know where they're going with this. Um, well, I'm two, three pages in here. And hey, Jeffrey Harris of Horror hey, Mania. Hey, Jeff. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is an enjoyable film that exceeds the original things in large part to the great additions of Tails, Knuckles, and a, mu- and a much more interesting action-packed adventure for Sonic and his friends. Thanks, Jeff. Nothing wrong there. Again, nope. I don't... Nothing incorrect. I- Again, I don't necessarily agree with this being better than the first, but that might just be me. Uh, the rest of it, yeah, he's correct. Good on you, Jeff. Yep. I, I Honestly, I just read it because it was Jeff. There, you, you, know. you are trying to get me in trouble. You have occasionally, like, you, you look for Jeff to try and get me to. <laughs> it looks like it's about 50-50 on whether or not people think it's better than the original or not. But frankly, the ori- I think we're all in agreement that the original was good and this one's good. It's simply an argument of which one you prefer. Yeah. But no one is saying it's like the-, the first one was great, this one sucks, or the first one was terrible, this one's great. No one's arguing that. We're, we're not just- dealing with look, we're not dealing with a Mortal Kombat situation where the first one is well, perfectly enjoyable. <laughs> David Jenkins of Little White Lies, top critic, best of the best, Red Star. A cold, money-making machine and nothing more. Okay, That's Hollywood in general, you hold, hold, hold on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now you're in on the act? <laughs> like, well, if I can't beat him, join him. Okay, jackass. <laughs> you know nothing of the... And I'm not going to fault you for this necessarily, because you're an idiot. But if you do not understand the passion that the people behind the Sonic films have for that property, you do not understand why they're as good as they are. These are people who, 15, 20 years ago, were creating very well-regarded Sonic material on the internet back in its nascent stages. One of the writers, I think, was um, wrote a famous... 
infamous in some respects webcomic called Tales Gets Trolled. And this went on for a long time. The uh, One of the directors is... Uh, um, he did, like... These people have poured a lot of their passion into this project to now try and diminish the fact that these same people came back, lovingly recreated sequences from the video games, gave attention to character details about all of these inhuman CGI'd creations to make them seem human and work for the characters, to then pass this off as a cold, heartless sequel driven by nothing but money is a wild mi misread of this movie and, frankly, insulting to everyone who worked on it, you pejorative dick. Frankly, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this. I under we're guilty just as anyone else about calling out certain movies for saying they were clearly written by too many people from the marketing department. Yeah, but, but when we do, we're right. But can we please strike the whole, this money is just a cold money making machine. It's like this movie doesn't exist, just exist to make money. Can let, we strike that? Let, let me help you love with that. Reviews? Let, me, let me help you with that. When you're writing something that is bad for the sole purpose of making money, there is room for criticism. And we do that a lot here. When you write something that is good, that is supposed to make money, that's your job. <laughs> I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, I'm sorry. That just has always bugged me when people say it's mm -hmm. like this just exists to make money. It's like it all exists to business. make money. It's a business, right? So I mean, yes, so there is your... art and there is passion in there, but the executives still want to pocket some money off. Well, of let this. me ask you. Let, let's so talk does about your, like, well, like, like so does your review. This exists so you can get a paycheck. No one's complaining about okay, that. So Coda won. Coda won Best Picture of the Year. Are people under the impression that no one was supposed to watch Coda on Apple Music on Apple TV? Like. <laughs> You know, Power of the Dog was nominated for Best Picture and won a whole bunch of other awards. Were people under the impression that was not supposed to get people to pay for Netflix? Like, they're all, like, I, I, named, I named two movies that were streamers, but if you look at even the ones that were, like, West Side Story, which didn't do as well as it could have or should have, but it was definitely supposed to make money on top of being nominated for a Best Picture and all of that. So, like, the whole argument of this just exists to make money, no, no, you don't get away with that unless... There's unless the craft is so poor that it comes across as cynical, then there's a discussion to be had. But just that outright with no examination of the craft is shitty criticism. And and, that, and more ahead. importantly, there's nothing cynical about either of these two Sonic movies. There's no. there's way no. too much love from everyone involved on the creative side. So no, this, they're, this was solid. They're, they're enjoyable. Even if you would say that it's not that good of a movie and you're welcome to your opinion, there's nothing wrong with these films. They're light, they're fun, they're colorful and enjoyable. And you walk out smiling. Look, we're we're very critical here, especially, you know, when Robert and I really dig into something. And if and if we if we're at the end of a review and we're like, yeah, it was fine. It was good. It's 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 better than good um we we tend to we tend to be harsher than the rest so i think we're a good barometer in any case alexis uh go ahead and talk about your plugs you've got a trivia show you've got jewelry to sell yada yada all right so yes yeah, starting off tripped up trivia we are recording our next game this saturday the theme is wizards and magic this is in celebration of dr strange 2 coming out questions are going to be ranging on obviously dr strange we're looking at harry potter dungeons and dragons freaking kingdom hearts i have been going we've been going through all of these games looking at so many magical elements for these questions we've had so much fun writing this and we are still looking for contestants if you think that you could best your our knowledge of this hit us up on facebook 
or Twitter, let us know that you're interested. Hey, Robert, what time is the, the real UFC this weekend? The real magic in Kingdom Hearts is if you can make sense of the story. Hey, Robert, what time is the UFC this weekend? I don't know. Let me check. I was just wondering if you were able to play or not, like if it was an early one or not. One moment, and I will see if I can tell right, Keep you. going, Alexis, while he figures out his schedule. All right, and yes, Honeysuckle Rose Creations. We're Fashion Meets Phantom at the intersection of Geek and Chic. This is my personal plug. We're getting ready for our next big convention that's planned at Comic-Con here in Kansas City. It's our home show, and going to this marks officially the 10-year anniversary of Honeysuckle Rose Creations since we started Ooh. our first time there. So hang on, to be hang, going on. Back. hang on, hang on. Wait, wait. I was honestly worried you were going to hit the wrong button and do the plane crashing one. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, our Etsy store is fully operational and stocked. We are getting our Amazon shop back up. We finally figured out what their problem was with our photos. They changed their policy recently and we have, kind of been beating our brains out trying to edit photos in photoshop we're getting items back up and listed that are no longer search suppressed that was the problem the items were there they just weren't coming up on any of the search engines so we're getting that fixed so we, you can go ahead and uh, pick out items there uh i will go ahead and add that recently we we also had a facebook shop where you could buy through facebook we just deleted that unfortunately we've been having some problems with uh, their new business suite short version they didn't want to acknowledge that i had any rights to look at the orders so when someone said they bought something i said well that's great i'm not getting an address so i don't know where the hell to ship this so to avoid future conflict we've deleted it for the time being uh when we have a little more time we will re-add the items and open the shop back up here in the future in the meantime like i said etsy is open handmade at amazon is open you can always track us down on facebook instagram and twitter and we cannot wait to see everyone at planet comic-con or vision con uh which is the week after that in springfield missouri that's always a fun show honeysuckle rose creations the intersection of geek and chic i um, lived in springfield missouri for a bit I'm just going to keep my plugs to a real swift minimum. Please uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Like and subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find uh, traditional podcast audio. We are there under W2M Network. The Rad Religion Broadcasting Network is its own little umbrella as part of a bigger thing. Uh, so please like and subscribe wherever you can find us. You can find all of our podcasts there. We typically record Monday through Thursday, and then we do a live stream on Saturday. Um, and we've got all you know, all kinds of stuff for you. We did ambulance last night. Tomorrow, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Jesse and I will be embarking on a month, a couple of years long look at the great works of David Simon, beginning with Homicide: Life on the Street. We're doing one of those a month. Um, so you can find Alexis on a whole bunch of shows where we talk a lot oh, of animation. <laughs> Can we talk about how Homicide Life on the Street is actually uh, inside the imagination of an autistic boy? <laughs> sure. All right. So that's me. Uh, Robert, real quick, do your plugs and let's get out of here. Uh, for the record, what time are you recording on Saturday? The trivia show? Um, eight o'clock central is when we usually record. Uh, like I said, still looking for contestants. Okay. Uh, no, that's not going to work. What time's the UFC end? 10, 11? Um... Main card, hang on, I have to have to do some math here on the time. Main card starts, uh, looks like 3.30 my time, so figure six hours or so, start to finish, 
probably going to end around midnight Eastern. So Oops. no, it's just not going to work. Nope. All right. Do your plugs. All right. We talked a little bit here when discussing the box office successes of the week. Uh, UFC 273. The UFC was back on pay-per-view. I covered that for 411mania.com. So if you're interested in my take on mixed martial arts, my live round-by-round round scoring is up over there. I post I post clips of the finishes when I can find them from approved sources so as not to get anyone in trouble. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm happy to retweet all the piracy away. But if I'm going to an official <laughs> website, I try not to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> uh, my full thoughts on that, on all of those fights are up there. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sunday evenings which I don't know if uh, some of one of the platforms I was on went through a debotting procedure recently or not, but boy, did I bleed a lot of viewers over the last little bit. And I'm perfectly willing to accept that I suck, but I don't think I suck to the tune of 60% of my audience going away. So yeah, that, that was rough. <laughs> um, so if you're interested in that, please give that show a listen. Uh, I put a lot of effort into that. So uh I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week over in the wrestling zone of 411mania.com, AW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW stuff on Thursday, and WWE SmackDown on Fridays. So if you're interested in my snarky thoughts on the world of professional wrestling, feel free to go over there and tune in for that because professional wrestling, and I think even people who enjoy it will admit to the following, it's dumb as hell. Wow, so, strangely silent here. <laughs> no I argument. Just, on that. I really want to go for a run and get this up and get all my post recording stuff going. So I'm just. Plus, he also knows I'm right. Mark, you covered Effie's big gay brunch, <laughs> headlined by Fear the Gay Agenda. No, Fear the Gay Agenda was a whole other show. Okay, yeah, that, that was a show. So you saw um, the Briscoes lose to. What's that okay, tag? Okay, so hang again? on. That was Joey Janela's spring break. Okay. <laughs> and that was that was the Briscoes, Nick Cage, and Slade and um crap, I can't remember the second the third tag team. Doesn't it might have been like Matthew Justice and somebody. It doesn't it, look, it doesn't matter. It was, the it was point, the second gear crew. Yes. It, it the point is you know professional wrestling's dumb as hell. You just enjoy it anyway, which is fine and dandy. But yes. don't lie to me about it. I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> that's not you. That's everybody else. You just okay. The people who just had a mild popping in the back of their head. Listen, M Allie Catch and uh, Mickey James did a grab them by grab them by the pussy uh, spot, which ended in Mickey James kissing Allie Catch and stunning her cartoon style and winning the match. Yes, pro wrestling is dumb. D-U-M, dumb. <laughs> yep. Marco Stunt has a career in professional wrestling. That's Marco really all Stunt you need to know. And one of the Effie's Big Gay Brunch, beaten with a dildo. Okay, but what do you do? Okay, okay, but what do you do in the ring? <laughs> he said on the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 podcast for parents. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, seriously, I thought Mark wanted to go for a run, and my dog is whining for food. I, 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 sorry, he said Marco Stunt, and I now have like a tick. Whenever he says Marco Stunt, I have to say, beaten with a dildo! <laughs> uh, your, your porn review podcast is going to be something else. It really is. <laughs> All right, that's where you can find me. I'll be back next week uh, for Damn You Hollywood when we review Fantastic Beasts. The Secrets of Dumbledore, wherein I get to talk about how Mads Mikkelsen is better than Johnny Depp at just about everything. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on Damn You Hollywood for Alexis Hanna of Honeysuckle Rose Creations, for Robert Winfrey of 411mania.com, and for Mark Radledge of FetLife. <laughs> <laughs>
Be well, be safe, and behave.